0: How we doing, mates? Welcome back to the Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, this week, I have an absolute, to take one of my good friends, Peter Moylan's phrase, belter of an episode this week. I have one of my favorite players to play against, one of my favorite guys to watch play the game, and someone who I really enjoy watching on TV on Fox Sports, on MLB Whiparound, that is New York Yankees World Series champion, Mr. Nick Swisher. Man, this episode was a blast. His energy was through the roof. My energy was through the roof. We had a good laugh. Uh, I reminisced on a story that him and I, um, when I was facing him in Seattle, there was a, a certain story, one of my funniest, one of the funniest moments I've ever had on a baseball field. We dive into that. We also dive into that 2009 Yankees team uh, bouncing back from 2008 when he just was in a bad situation, where, you know, Ozzy again famously recently uh, said that Nick Swisher was the worst person to ever play for him. That was 2008. Then he talked about 2009 bouncing back, what that meant to him winning a World Series, everything in between. Man, there is nothing manufactured about Nick and when you talk about energy and everyone needs to take a page from his book, the way he lives his life and his outlook on everything. A lot of fun. It got me through those last couple of days of quarantine. I am not going to lie. That's when this thing was recorded. But so much fun. Before we get into that, make sure you go to www.thetopstep.com. Check out past episodes, whether it's this season or last season. I have got some Awesome stories, some awesome journeys that you would really enjoy. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any further episode as we're getting closer and closer to spring training 2021. I can't wait. 2020 is in the rearview mirror. Hopefully, we can get 162. Who knows? Who knows about anything anymore? But I do know this you are going to love this episode. So, without wasting any more of your valuable time, Please enjoy and welcome Nick Swisher as he joins me on The Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First, the parents of the big Blues. face the Hall of, a hall of a Famer. famer. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out.
1: Here comes the 1-2 pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. As he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr and the inning is over. What an inning it was. At...
0: you'll never say
1: that I'm not killing them. Kill kill killing them. Killing them. Kill kill killing them. Killing
0: them. All right, Nick Swisher, man. Welcome. I appreciate you joining me. Oh bro, of course, man. For sure, no doubt, man. It's good to see you, bro. Yeah, you too. Hey, so by the way, I told you this before. I before we came on, I'm in hotel quarantine, right? And I think about guys like you. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I had Eric Burns on the show earlier, right? Like there's high energy dudes. This is a small room. It's not like some. It's not <laughs> it's some big league hotel. Like it's a it's nice room, but it's small. How would you go in 14 days of quarantine? You can't you can't leave the door. They take your room insane, go- bro. No,
1: insane, bro. I, I, You know what? I don't even know if I could live in my regular home for 14 days, bro. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, you know, I'd be all like, uh, just stir crazy trying to figure out something to do, bro. You know, I got a lot of energy, man. And at this point, I'm like, man, I got to find some things to keep doing. But yeah, bro, no doubt. I mean, you're almost done though, bro. The light at the end of the tunnel, it's there,
0: bro. Only a few more days, right? I'm, I'm a day away. And they said that I'm allowed to leave the room at 4 a.m. tomorrow. So I'm literally like, I'm going to like pack up my stuff. I've got a spin bike in here. I've been smashing out spin classes on, on you know, on, online, whatever. I'm going to do one of them at literally 4 a.m. and I'm out. I'm just going to walk around. I'm in Sydney. I'm just gonna <laughs> you're like, I'm gone, bro. I'm, I'm going. I know. I've, I haven't been no up doubt. at 4 a.m. I've been up at 4 a.m. since I was in like double A AA or triple A on that Southwest connecting flight to some, you know, some. <laughs> since then, but I don't care, man. I'm I'm out of bed. I, it's crazy, That's it, bro. No doubt, it, it's crazy, man. Because when you think about stuff like this, you hear people have to quarantine. Australia's like their rules are, you know, like they're they're locked in tight, man. There's no wiggle room whatsoever, unless you're like I think like Mark Warburg came down here and he got to some retreat or yes. something like that. Yeah, no, he's okay, <laughs> bro. We can let him go. <laughs> exactly but you know for, for people like me it's there's and when you think about it, you're like oh yeah a couple of weeks in a hotel like you know i could use the downtime whatever three days in you you like um hold on how many more friggin' days uh, behind me right here i don't know if you're a coffee drinker or not but i'll, I'll smash some coffees dude like this is literally this is like my only like i've just this is my artwork behind me just i'm, I'm stacking up really- <laughs> Ah, it looks beautiful bro thank, you. No, thank <laughs> you you earned that you earned that art back there <laughs> i did i did hey, I, yeah, want for sure. you, I want to talk to you about that too so as far as like that energy goes now i was looking over your numbers you crossed paths with with eric burns right that first year you were a rookie yep. i believe you were a rookie when when he was still with the A. yep totally because i
1: came and right after that that's when burns signed with the diamondbacks Right? That's yeah. when he went over to the Diamondbacks and had a tremendous breakout year. I mean, listen, bro, he was a stud back at UCLA. I saw him as a stud, bro. Some of the outfield plays, because at the time, if you remember, man, Burns, he was the human, he was a human crash dummy. Yeah. like He would dive into walls, bro. He would full extension lay out for things that literally would put people in the hospital. But that was just the way he went about his game, right? Yeah. And even to today. The energy he brings on MLB, he does a tremendous job. If you follow him on Instagram, him and his kid, the battles they have back and forth, he's tremendous. And for myself, you know, I learned a lot from him because it kind of let me and reminded me that like, hey, you can be this hyper and still be successful in this game. So for me and him, even though it was a short, brief time together, uh, it was great to be able to see that somebody like that, that had that same energy level,
0: could be as successful as, as I wanted to be, right? You when you first came up as a rookie, right? Because when you're a rookie, especially back then, it's a little bit different now. Guys walk into a clubhouse now and and they kind of, there's not the same treatment, I guess. They're way more comfortable right away. But as a, this is your, obviously your personality. This is you. I mean, this is not something that you're like, you have to manufacture. But when you're a rookie, is that how you were that first couple of days walking into the big leagues? Oh,
1: bro! I mean, at the end of the day, I always say, man, you got to be you, right? Like there's only one you and you got to rock. And yeah. for myself, I've always been that type of guy, right? I've never been shy of being myself. If that pissed some <laughs> people off, then I apologize. My heart is in the right place. But at the end of the day, for somebody like me, I, I, I am who I am. My, yeah. my heart is on my sleeve. You know exactly how I'm feeling all the time. Uh, But definitely, bro, I got beat down a little bit, dude, when I first got to the show by some veteran guys, because by the way, man, back in the day, you were supposed to be seen and not heard. Well, I'm the other way, bro. You hear me before (laughs) you see me. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely got pounded on a little bit by some of those guys. But at the end of all that, you know, some guys might take that to heart. But for me, I really realized that like the reason why these dudes were pounding on me the way that they were was because they really actually cared for me and they wanted to kind of teach me in that big brother way, even though at the end of the day, I work differently, bro. I'm the type of guy, like, if you give me a hug, like, I'll run through a brick wall for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to yell at me. You don't have to pound on me. You don't have to tell me, like, this is how it has to be done. I'm one of those love guys, right? Like, I love being loved, right? (laughs) And so I think if those guys maybe took that approach or maybe took the time to get to know me a little bit better earlier, then it might've been a better relationship out of the gates. It was a little rocky, but at the end of the day, like I'm happy that I had those guys in my life. I still keep in touch with those guys. You know, like those guys were huge parts of my career because they taught me a lot from every single one of those guys. I took something from them, whether they pissed me off or whether they were my best buddies, you always learn from those guys uh, throughout your
0: entire career, whether you're a rookie or later in your career, when you're a veteran, who were some of those veterans that like that, that beat you down at the time? You're like, dude, what, what, what you know, why you treat me this way, or like, oh, you're a douche, or whatever. Who were some of those guys? But now you sort of realize, and and you now, first of all, you might have a relationship now, or, or you do appreciate. It. Who still do, the yeah, with, with guys?
1: yeah, yeah, I still do. Still have great relationships with these guys, man, because it started off rocky, but then it was kind of like one of those big brother relationships. Yeah. Guys like uh, Jason Kendall, guys like oh, Mark yeah. Kotze, uh Mark Mclemore. Uh, You know, that was back in the day with the A's, bro, when it was Barry Zito, Tim Hudson and Mark Mulder, bro. And they were killing it, dude. Right. right. Like these guys were fantastic at what they were doing at the time. But yeah, man, I was one of those guys that came up. We were part of that Moneyball crew. And maybe we were a little high on ourselves and we thought we were a little better than what we really were. But at the end of the day, I'm like, bro, now that when I work with these young kids now, confidence is one of the first things that I talk about. Because if you don't have confidence walking into a big league locker room, bro, you've been in there. You know what it's like to walk in there. It's intimidating. And if you're not sturdy and you're not strong with who you are as an individual at the core, it it can beat you down. It can break you apart because baseball is the type of game that it can put you in the gutters or it can put you on the top of the mountain. So yeah. either way, you're going to go through a lot of experiences in life. And for myself, I'm so
0: blessed and glad that I went through all of them, bro. Good or bad, because I've taken away from all of them. Yeah, it's it's refreshing, man. Like when when I was young and I would come across people who did have that high energy or or just allowed you to be yourself. It was like, oh, man, this is so much easier to compete. It's oh, it's hard. so great, right? Oh, man. So great. I know. I got to the big leagues. And I had some salties on, on my team. Uh, that was 2007. Like, like Richie Sexton used to wear me out. No. But he did say, oh, bro. Yeah, dude. Oh. Man, he wore me out, and but and you know what too? Like you just brought up a good point because I remember like at the end of that year, he's like, "Oh, hey, the only reason we, you know, it was like dress up there or something. The only reason reason we rip on you and not some of these other guys is because we like you." I was like, "Oh man, thank you." You yeah, could have told like me that. You, right? you could have yeah, told me um, that four months ago, dude. When I was like, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> I felt like shit." Like, come on, man, unreal. So I know, right? Well, that's the thing. It's
1: like you know, like uh, I, I feel like even now, you know, being a special advisor with the Yankees, watching young rookies walk into the New York Yankee locker room is way different now than it was back then and for somebody like me the more comfortable I felt in the situation the better I played the more I felt like I could be myself like you were saying it's such a great feeling when you run into one of those veteran guys that's just like hey be you baby like whatever you need to do to produce and be one of the one of you know one of the team then that's what I need you to do but for me you know like having those guys pound on me like you said at the end of the day, like these were the guys who were taking me out and buying me a $3,500 suit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. so I guess at the <laughs> end of the day, there was a reason why all those guys were getting on top, you know, getting on you as much as they were because yeah. that was how they taught people back then. The yeah. way we teach kids now is a little different and a way more inviting place, which I appreciate so much more because I think the better you feel, yeah. Or you the more your gifts will shine, you know, rather than feeling like you've got to be somebody you're not
0: because that's impossible. You know? Yeah. Right. Was your dad, your dad played 10 years in the big leagues, right? Was he, was he the same? Was he yep. the same energy level? Oh no, bro. <laughs>
1: opposite, Dude, complete opposite. Really? My dad is, yeah, my, he's my hero. My idol. Listen, man, my dad was a catcher, bro. He's like six, three, 240s this big man. And I'm like, <laughs> knocking on the door at like five ten and a half, you know what I'm saying like <laughs> trying to get there. you know I'm kind of all over the place. My dad is a very intense focused yeah. guy. Uh, you know my dad kind of grew up in, in in a tough era and back in the day you know you, you had to be really tough you know not only physically but just you know emotionally as well. Yeah. And so now to be able to see the differences and to tell the stories that we've both had from our big league careers, yeah. they're way different, right? right? Like, I'm like, man, I had so much fun. And my dad I was like, man, I was really focusing so hard on what I was doing. But at the end of the day, like you saying, you got to be you like, and that's what worked for my father. That's what kept him in the big leagues for 10 years, there's not a whole lot of people that can say they've done that. Yeah. And so for myself, even though I learned a lot from him and listened to all the, the stories in the whole nine, I ended up finding my own way and the way that it worked best for me because I quickly realized in professional baseball, you are your own coach. Because at the end of the day, bro, your pretty face is on the front of that baseball card. Guess whose stats yeah. are on the back? Right. Yours, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I quickly realized that I had to be able to stand on my own two feet and be my own coach. Because in the hardest of times is when I needed people most, and sometimes they weren't always there. You know.
0: Did you ever feel the pressure as a kid? Obviously, you weren't old enough when he was playing in the big leagues to really witness it and to be in the clubhouse. You know, because I always oh, see yeah. these kids. Like when I was playing, I'd see these like ten-year-olds in a major league clubhouse. I'm like, oh man, these kids—they got it easy. Like not 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 it easy. Game. I know. Can what you imagine? Life. Oh, I'm like they're walking around a major league club. Yeah. And, and some of the honestly, some of my teammates handled it so well like they made sure like mike sweeney for example i had him as a teammate favorite teammate ever but he made is sure, he not
1: one of the best bro one of the best.
0: best oh man but he made sure his kid like looked you in the eye shook your hand respected the clubbies but not other teammates here the kids walking around like they're a part of the roster just throwing their stuff like missing the laundry <laughs> <body>. <laughs> But, but yeah, you, exactly, right? you you weren't old enough to, to witness that. But did you feel that pressure? You knew your dad was a big leaguer. Everyone else knew that, I'm sure, in your circle. Did you ever feel that pressure as a kid? Like, man, I'm going to live up to my dad here. Yeah. Well, I always wanted to be like my dad. Yeah. So,
1: you know, I, I, I'm not really one of those guys that feels like pressure is pressure's all in what you put on yourself, right? Charles Barkley says, pressure is what you put in your tires, right? I mean, so a lot of people look at pressure a lot of different ways. You know, I was so lucky enough. To be able to have a father who had been there and done that, right? Yes. Listen, I reti- he retired in 1983 when I was three years old, right. but he started managing in the minor leagues in 86. You and he managed what from like what, 86 to like 96, right? So he oh, got yeah. like 10, 11 years, 11 seasons, yeah. where for myself, bro, like I grew up, my first love of the game of baseball was on a bus in Waterloo, Iowa, yeah, right? And right. playing tape ball in the locker yeah. room. Right. Because I was one of those kids like Sweeney's kids that respected the clubhouse, respected the baseball, just the world. Right. Like, you know, my father was a very, you know, very firm guy. So I was definitely, you know, respectful. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. All of that stuff. But at the end of the day, it was my dad and I, nobody else, bro. Like I would fall asleep on the bat rack in the seventh inning. And people are always like, well, where did your where'd your love for the game come from? And I'm like, it came from that stadium picking up aluminum cans after the game because I knew I needed two more bags to save up enough money to get my first mitt, right? right. Like playing catch with the minor league guys, you know, before the game, you know, like Bull Durham style, right? Yeah, like that's right. kind of how it was back in the eighties. And yeah, for, my, for myself, like I was so blessed to be able to grow up like that because I wasn't Silver spooned. I didn't right. have it good all the time, Yeah. right? Like I wasn't given anything in my life. I worked my ass off to get them. And I have that same approach with my daughters now. You know, it's a little different, bro. Like I got more Barbies than I could ever imagine. But <laughs> yes. my daughters will be respectful. They will work hard. And one of the greatest things that my father ever told me was, son, I don't care what you do in this world. I don't care if you're a musician. I don't care if you're an yeah. artist. I don't care if you're the trash man. You'll be the best damn trash man in the world. Right. And that was the kind of father that I had. I had a very, uh, a very loving and very supportive father. But- He always expected a lot out of me because, and what I go back to what I teach my daughters is effort level. Hey, what kind of effort are you giving this? Is this the type of effort that you want to be giving for something like this? So for me, I always kind of had that effort and that kind of turned into work ethic and really realizing kind of how special it was to be able to play for as long as I have. I try to tell these young kids, if this is what you want to do, you better love it and you better have a passion for it because the amount of time that it's going to take for you to practice, to get good enough to
0: get there, bro, you're going to be doing this all the time. Hey, i got a question back to the, back to having the energy part of things, right? It's, and you know, this man, you've you've been in good situations, bad situations. You've been on teams where you've enjoyed the environment and teams where you're just like, you know, the complete opposite. Facebook is easy when, when, it's easy to have that energy level and it's easy to be yourself and to to have that love and everything else with your teammates when how do you manufacture that when you're over 20 right and you're trying to be yourself you're trying to be Nick Swisher and you're trying to have this kind of presence how do you manufacture that? Because baseball's frigging hard, man. And, and there's these there's these periods, there. and everyone goes through that in life, right? Where just they look at them and they go, "Man, I'm frigging sucking right now." In the last six months, I can't get anything done, right? How do yeah, you have dude. that energy where everything's yeah. just great? Because people look at you, dude. Like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, they look at you. Like, you go on on your Twitter account or whatever, and and you're just, or you go on Fox Sports, and it's so fun to watch. And your energy's through the level, and the whole thing. And they're looking at you, oh, yeah, because he's a big leaguer. He, he he played in the major leagues. That's why he can be like that. But when you <laughs> when life is sucking, yeah. how do you manufacture that? Oh, bro. Uh, it's, it's funny, man. It's, it's funny you ask that
1: because that's one of the things we talk about a lot. It's like, you know, is that confidence? How can you manufacture confidence? And I guess I always kind of thought that when times were my worst, that was when I was going to work my hardest, right? That right. was when I was going to be in the batting cage till my hands were bleeding till I could try and figure it out. But the one thing that really kind of stands out in my mind that's hard to to manufacture is as you get older in your career and after you've played as many games as you have. And for myself, I had that double knee surgeries at the end of 2014. And then from there, bro, it was just like an, it just, it like ended, right? Like everything ended so fast and it was, For somebody that was so used to waking up in the morning and popping out of bed and ready to go kick the day's ass, bro, like after having those surgeries, it was like, whoa, like it doesn't feel the same. And when I got in the batter's box, I didn't feel like I was the same Nick Swisher. And I would try to manufacture that. And it was harder and harder to manufacture. But for somebody like me, like I'm genuinely an optimist. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, bro, it's going to be a great day. Regardless of of, of how it ends up, at least that's my mindset to start the day. You know what I mean? Right. And then 0 for 4 with a couple of punches could really piss me off. But like, that's just, that's just part of the deal. So I think for myself is, you know, things that I would definitely tell younger people or anybody going through tough times is pay attention to those tough times. It's not always the worst thing in the world to be going through a tough time in your life. Yes. For myself, those were usually when I learned the most about myself, right? Lear, you know, learned how I can fight back the resiliency of myself that I didn't know I had. I had a stretch where I went 0 for 26 in the show, bro. And that was like, come on, bro. It's like what? you're going up there, bro. I'm like closing my eyes and swinging. I went up with different batting gloves, I went up with no batting gloves. I changed my pants during the middle of one game. Right. Like, I'm trying everything superstitious wise to change what needed to happen. And the thing that really ended up changing the whole thing was just getting back to work, getting yeah. back to ground zero and trying to get back to doing what you know you're capable of doing. Because when you're going through tough times, you try to be somebody different. You try it because you want results, especially in the game. You try different swings for yourself. Yeah. If you make a bad pitch and give up a homer, then all of a sudden your delivery changes a little bit because yeah. all of a sudden you want results. And at the end of the day, if you stick to the process of what you know and who you are, that's usually when things work out for the best in the long run. Obviously it sucks going through those tough times at the moment, but being able to go yeah. through those, looking back, being able to see the forest through the trees, bro, I'm happy I went through those tough times. I'm glad I got booed in certain stadiums. I'm glad that I went through that 0-for-26 0 0 because yeah. when you're kicking ass, bro, you're never learning. You're never learning anything about yourself when you're succeeding all the time. When yeah, you right. when you fail yeah. and things hit yeah. bottom, that's when you learn about a lot about who you are. So for myself good or bad experiences in life, I'm very grateful
0: to go through either one of them. Hey, you're talking about 2014, 2015. You said everything just kind of went downhill. You had the two knee surgeries. Did you ever, and i talk to players about this, like guys who are done playing or they're kind of at that point of their career transition. And again, I go back to this all the time. From the outsider's perspective, they're like, oh yeah, well, Nick Swisher, he's just going to end up doing something cool after baseball. It's not always that simple. Were you like scared or worried about what you were going to do once you knew, or you had that feeling that baseball was going to be done like 2015. You're like, Oh man, I feel like this is it. Was there ever that fear of like losing your identity or what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah, of course, bro. Uh, when I, and, and I, I
1: didn't necessarily uh, go through that at that moment, but yeah. I definitely went through that when I retired. Yeah. Bro, I remember the day that I retired, I instant, I'm not a depressed human being <laughs> in the slightest. But bro, for a full month, it felt like an elephant was sitting right on my chest. I gained yeah. 15 pounds. Wow. I was just out of it. I wasn't the same. I wasn't I wasn't the, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't the nicest of people. Yeah. I was very, you know, edgy because I thought that baseball defined who I was. Yeah. And it took some of my best friends and my wife to kick me in the ass and let me know, listen. Baseball is not who you are. It's what you did. Listen, like you can make an effect on people outside of the game, maybe more than you could inside the game, Yeah. right? And so for myself to be able to kind of listen to them and to be blessed enough to have them in my life, bro, because if I didn't have them in my life or have people to pull me out of that deep gutter that I was in, bro, I might still be in that. Yeah. And I could be one of those salty guys that said, man, I wish it would have been better or I should have had this or I should have had that. You know, I was lucky that I had people in my life that got me prepared for retirement.
0: Gotcha. When I had those
1: knee surgeries, bro. I just knew something was different. And from yeah. there, that's when we started taking meetings with Fox, with ESPN, a couple right. years before I retired. So then right after I retired, I just smoothed seamlessly right into my next career. Now that was all planned. A lot of guys don't know when retirement is coming yeah. and it kind of blindsides them. It, it didn't blindside me. I was ready. I've had people in my life. My wife, being an actress, obviously she knows at some point my baseball career is going to end. And what am I going to do from there? I've been fi- I'm financially good enough that I don't have to do anything. But bro, listen, you can't coop me up, bro. I can't no, quarantine I- for 14 days right there in the hotel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? Like I got to exactly. keep doing stuff. And so for myself, I've I've always tried to live my life on this sort of a climb, right? Never a plat yeah. never a plateau. Always at an upward motion, right? And so for myself, I'm always constantly trying to do better and to make myself better and to try and, you know, make a great mark on this world, bro. Listen, man, 2020 has been a shitty year for everybody. Yeah. And there haven't been a whole lot of great things to look at, but I've always tried to be that ray of sunshine, bro, that people can come to, and be like, wow, man, like I'm a silver linings guy. Listen, man, 2020 sucked for me too. Like we've, we've lost people. We've, we've, you know, everybody's lost money. Like people have lost jobs, like, yeah. like the worst right. of the worst, but There's always a silver lining with all that stuff. And I always feel like I've tried to be that guy to find that. I understand how hard baseball is because I got to play it for as long as I did. So being able to be at Fox and have a great perspective on that, I think that, you know, bro, I hated getting talked bad about. So I don't want to talk bad about somebody. I want to try and make them look good. Let them know like, hey, man, this is hard. There's like 750 dudes on the planet that get to do it a year. So for myself, I've always tried to take that positive outlook, yeah. uh, tried to take that optimistic outlook uh, and push it and push it back into the universe, bro, because yeah. I've always kind of lived by that rule of 11, right? You meet somebody, that somebody's going to tell 11 people about your interaction, and those 11 people are going to tell another 11 people. And how many people do
0: I want to leave with a good taste in their mouth or a bad taste? Yeah. Hey, speaking of 2020, I need to slip this in, dude. Congratulations, the Hall of Fame ballot. That is... Oh, oh right! <laughs> That's Talk about mind. an un- bro, I've I've been floating. I've been floating since that
1: came out. So yeah. I appreciate that, man. Um, you know, as like an ex-player, like the you know the one thing that that you want is to kind of you know uh, uh, I guess at the end of the day, kind of be remembered in a way or be recognized. And for myself, bro, like
0: wow, it's like holy shit, bro. Like I couldn't believe it. Huge and. and, and, and- even on top of that is your reaction, because and the reason I say this is not because oh yeah you know you're happy go lucky. It's not that. It's more about first of all two things. We used to sit there when I was playing and try and do the math on what you would have to do as a pitcher. I'll, you know, obviously as a pitcher, what would I have to do to even get close to sniffing a hole? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> this game is so frigging hard. You have to like a lot of things have to go right. So number one, you you obviously appreciate that being a player, but number two. It's not this reaction of, and I like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the word is. I'm sort of drawing a blank. But sometimes when when people get like these massive um, honors like that, or, or they do get inducted in the Hall of Fame, there's this reaction like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm very humbled, or you know, it's um, blah blah blah. Like, no, 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 dude, be excited about it, man. Because when when people right. someone be excited about it, they feel like they there's a they now have the ticket to be excited themselves about things. That, that's what I love about it, dude. Like the way you react is like, yeah, good. Someone's getting excited about something friggin' awesome for once, you know? Yeah, well,
1: I, I'm just, I guess at the end of the day, I kind of look at my situation and think like, bro, I'm sure there's a gazillion people out there that would switch lives with me, like in a heartbeat, right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I'm like, bro, like, yeah. listen, man, like I'm an exciting, like happy guy. Like if I want to like raise the roof on something, bro, then I, I want to do that. Like think- that nowadays, right? Like that's what I want to try and let people know is that you can be expressive. You can be yourself, yeah. right? Like if you get super excited about something, that's okay. If you get super sad about yeah. something, like that's okay as wow. well. And and I think at the end of all that, man, just to be able to like have your name put up there with the rest of those big league guys, bro, front and center. I mean, I'm like humble, grateful, happy, like, holy yeah. shit, like he's yeah. absolutely amazing. But I think at the end of the day, there's something to be said about, being nice to people and treating people right and yeah. and trying to do the right thing. Because it's, I don't think the hall of fame is all necessarily about numbers. I think it's about maybe the mark that you may leave for on sure. people or yeah. the mark you may leave on the game. And for, sure. for myself, I feel like I left a mark on the game
0: in my own way and, and I'm proud to say I was able to do that. Yeah. Hey, um, I was I was actually gonna I was gonna kick this this interview off and I completely you know 20 minutes later we're completely going different direction but you you probably don't remember this 2009, I was facing you now we had never spoken a word to each other before this I was pitching we're in Seattle you're playing for the Yankees and then forget I'm facing you and I'm all like you know like fired up like you know um like I'm going to war you know what I mean you always <laughs> had that that demeanor like oh everything's yeah. easy You do your little, like, look up towards, like, the sky before you hit, which was so distracting. It was so distracting, by the way, as a pitcher. I'm like, stop doing that. I used to always (laughs) notice that. But anyway, it used to drive me nuts. But I remember, I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I know who you are. We're playing the Yankees, the whole thing. And it's an intense moment for me. I want to pitch well. I think I was pitching against, like, Andy Pettit, who was, like, my idol whatever. And I'll never forget. I'll be, yes, for sure. Oh, dude, the man. Anyway don't forget a, a, a like a streaker or someone jumped the fence and ran on the field right during your are out bad against me so i'm sitting there and, and i'm gonna <laughs> walk in i hear this voice and you're like you're like hey bro hey bro i'm like what i turn around and you're like hey tell your dad to get off the field <laughs> that's it you said <laughs> <laughs> and from that moment on first of all that moment on I, I i shit you not man it chilled me out because i was so wound up tight in that moment, I was like, "Oh, okay." I, first of all, I feel like I'm, I'm like on the same level as like someone like you. Number one, number two, I was like, "Oh, this dude's awesome." So every time, like every <laughs> time I'd like watch you do your thing, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Nick Swisher, whatever." It was just like, "Oh, this guy yes. is having a blast, having such a good time." You're playing for the Yankees. They're doing the roll call. You're doing this. You're saluting out of right field. That year, man. That. First of all, you don't remember that. I'm sure you don't remember that in 2009. You have to say, oh no, yeah. I'm trying
1: know. to, bro, I remember that game because how many streakers ever come out, dude, while you're actually hitting? <laughs> I just remember, I
0: was like, bro, get your dad off the field, bro. Let's get this game going, dude. It was, it was so, so funny. amazing. I've told, now I've told that story that many times. But, dude, that year, 2009, like, That you were absolutely having a blast after 2008 wasn't a fun year, right? With the White Sox. So then you come out 2009. 100. What's that? Yeah. No, I was agreeing with you totally. I mean,
1: 2008 was a crazy year, bro. Like, you know, I here's the deal, bro. So you know, you're coming up with the Oakland A's, right? And you know, there for a minute I was the number one prospect, right? I was, you know, I was the guy in Oakland. It was kind of like, you know, I felt like I was gonna be like Cal Ripken, bro. Like I was gonna be in Oaktown. For like my whole career. Yeah. Well, then all of a sudden, bro, I signed my contract, right? I think I signed like an end up signing like a six year deal. And all of a sudden, Billy Bean calls me and he's like, Hey, you know, we traded you to the White Sox. And I'm like, What? I'm like, Bro, I just signed this deal like a month ago. I just, and I told you, I bought a house in Oakland, right? I got a condo in Scottsdale for spring training. Like I was setting up shop. I was, that's where I wanted to be. And then all of a sudden, I get traded to the White Sox and I'm like, wow, like this is such a major bummer. It didn't, yeah. regardless of who the team was, and not only that, I go over to the White Sox, they throw me in center field and I'm leading off. Now, yeah. at that moment, that was before all these, you know, like electric, you know, leadoff hitters showed up in the game. People yeah. like, you know, Mookie Betts or, you know, somebody like, you know, uh, George yeah. Springer or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was a 3 four, 5 guy when I was in Oakland. I mean, that was my slot. And yeah. then all of a sudden I go to the leadoff spot and I'm like... What is this? Yeah. You know, but they were like, this now I looking back, I'm like, well, it makes a lot of sense. I'm an on base guy, like starting the game off, maybe one nothing, getting something going. But that wasn't the mindset that I took because I was in such a bad headspace yeah. about getting traded and feeling like, wow, man, I was just kind of like left abandoned, you know? Yeah. Right. And that year, bro, it, it was horrible. I, I didn't play well at all. You know, I was having a lot of problems with, uh, you know, Ozzie Gee in that year. And obviously he's been very (laughs) outspoken about the way he feels towards me. But it's for myself going through that rough year in 2008 was was miserable, bro. On the field was horrible. Off the field was horrible, bro. Like I didn't even know where to turn. But guess what happened, dude? From some of the worst moments of my life come the best moments of my life. What happens about a couple of weeks after the season? All of a sudden I'm on the phone with Brian Cashman from the New York Yankees. And I'm just thinking to myself, holy shit, what just happened? He said, Nick, hey, we just traded for you. We're so excited for you to be here. We know last year was a fluke. We have faith in you. We believe in you. We know you're going to be a great Yankee. We're happy to have you and honored you're part of our team. What? (laughs) I mean, I got goosebumps because I'm thinking to myself, how does that happen? How do you go from down in the dumps, in the worst place, mentally, physically, everything, and then all of a sudden, one phone call changes the whole thing? Right. Bro, after that 2008 season ended, one day, I took one day off, and that was to fly back, and my dad and I got, bat in the, got back in the batting cage and got back to work right. because I was so frustrated with my performance that year, and I thought people were losing the fact that you know maybe I could still play the game. But when Brian Cashman called me and somebody of that stature to say, hey, we believe in you. Yeah, We know you're going to be a great Yankee. I mean, for me, bro, that was just like, wow, bro. Like, let's go talk about running through that brick wall. It was like that was that moment. And then from there, when I walked into the locker room, it was just like, this is where I need to be. 2009, one of the worst years of my life, bro struggled, lost some lost a family member, had bad relationships on and off the field, yeah. right played bad 2009 get traded to the New York Yankees, meet my wife, end up falling in love Man. winning a World Series and and the rest is history. So it's kind of like thank you 2008 for kicking me right in the right in the mouth bro and just making it just a miserable experience in general because I learned so much from that moment. That I knew that I never wanted to be in that spot again, and so then from 2009 on, moving, that's been my mindset. And and if it wasn't for that horrible year of 2008, I may not have been the star that I was in New York. Yeah. I may not ever been with the Yankees. So, so I may not have been able to ride the
0: rest of that career. So you're basically so so what I witnessed in 2009 when you know I'd see like you know obviously just you being animated. And obviously you were like that. You've you've been like that your whole life. But a lot of that stemmed with what you're saying. Basically, a lot of that, like, uh, being appreciative of playing in the Bronx and being a part of – being a Yankee. And, and we, it is a special theme, man. I'm not going to lie. Look, I, I I work for the Mariners now. I broadcast with them and everything else. But there's always that part of me is like, man, I couldn't imagine playing for the New York Yankees. <laughs> amazing. So, a lot of that uh, – so, yeah. number one, a lot of that stemmed from just dealing with 2008, basically. And I- – I, I think that two, 2009,
1: um, I had a whole new mindset. I had a whole new wow. appreciation. I had a whole new uh, outlook on the game because for a minute there, I got benched the last couple of weeks of the season in 2008. And it felt like the game was taken away from me. Yeah. And 2009, I got an opportunity to play again. And the gratitude that I had just to be out there playing and battling for a position, I couldn't help but just show it off. And then when, I got the, then when I got the starting spot after Xavier Nady had his yeah. elbow problem, then all of a sudden, bro, I'm running out to right field in Yankee Stadium like a WWE wrestler, bro, just <laughs> yeah, like pumping my Because I was never going to be that miserable again playing baseball. Yeah. I was going to have as yeah. much fun as possible because you never knew when it was going to be taken away from you again. And so for myself, that's really where all that kind of stemmed from. And the Swisher salute, the whole nine was a salute, not only for my grandfather, but for the fans of New York because yeah. of the way that they brought me in. It made me feel like one of them. Yeah. And even to today, we have that same relationship. So I think there's a, there's a mutual respect that goes into that. But I also feel that I've been one of the luckiest human beings on the planet because I I'm not quite sure there's been a whole lot of guys that have been able to experience the Yankee fan base in the city of New York and to have that relationship like I have with them. So something I don't take for granted, something that I'm so blessed and honored to have. And by the way, bro, going back to New York is bad ass, bro. All the time, dude.
0: All the time, it's a great time. (laughs) Is there anything better? And you know, again, man, like watching that roll call when you run out on the field. I mean, is there anything better than that? That is the coolest thing, dude. When they go around the go around the field, man, I think that is the coolest thing. Is there anything better than that? No, bro. No, I mean,
1: the, I don't know, bro. I don't think so. Definitely not in sports because they will continue to call your name until you acknowledge them. That's awesome, and that's what's absolutely fantastic about it. And so we roll over there in two thousand and nine, bro. Like me and Johnny Damon. You know, Curtis Granderson was there that year. Brett yeah. Gardner and you know, we're, we're watching a few of the games and, you know, they go around the thing, you know, they start with Alex, you're a rock, a rock, right? And he kind of does the glove thing. And then they're going to Derrick, Jeter, he kind of does the glove thing too. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, bro, we're outfielders, man, we're swaggy. Like, we got to do something way different than this. Yeah. Right, so that was when Brett Gardner started his little flex, right? <laughs> Curtis Granderson, Brett, or, or Johnny Damon was doing his little point thing. I remember that. I did that. my salute. Yeah. Curtis kind of did his little step back. I mean, that was really when all that really kind of came to be because other than that, I don't really remember anybody kind of being animated about like kind of when their name was called because the captain set the tone there, bro. Like it was very just chill, you know, very blue collar, get the job done. We play to win the game type mentality. But I think Coming over in 09, myself, Damon, Tisa Bavia, Burnett, Teixeira was over there that year. Yeah. I mean, you brought some personalities over there and definitely yeah. shook that
0: locker room up a touch, no doubt. Yeah. Hey, um, just back to Aussie Ginn right now. What, what was it with? And I don't want to dwell on this too much, but because I've heard I've heard mixed reviews on Aussie Ginn. Right, a lot of people have. What was it about you and him that just never gelled? Like, I mean, and uh, talking to you right now, I feel like you would still make that effort to make something happen. So what was it about you and him in particular that just didn't gel in 2008? I, th- I think uh, both of us had some fiery personalities
1: for sure. Yeah. No doubt about it. You know, fire and fire doesn't always work. Or fire, you know, like just kind of going up against each other. Yeah. And and I don't think there was a whole lot of uh, respect as well. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I kind of, you know, I kind of... Uh, learned that really early and obviously for somebody you know that just really turned me off bro and you know like my whole philosophy is at the end of the day bro if you don't like somebody it's, you don't ever go public with all that stuff yeah. for myself yeah. i've always tried to you know hey we just didn't get along that's yeah. just kind of how it was yeah. you know like our personalities didn't match but at the end of the day man like you know i'm glad i had that relationship in my life bro. i learned a lot from him right i learned a lot of the things to do i learned a lot of things not to do Especially when you're dealing with problems, because it's you're not always going to get along with everybody that you work with. You're not always going to love everybody that's either in your office or on your team. Right. So you have to learn to be able to deal with people that won't necessarily see eye to eye with you on a lot of things. And for myself, I was happy to have that relationship. Now, looking back, I'm like, bro, man, like I was happy he called me out on air like he did because I ended up turning out looking like the good guy, you know? So Absolutely, I'm just kind of yeah. like, at the end of the day, like, you know, try and treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Uh And, you know, I mean, I've always tried to be the guy. Don't burn bridges, bro. Because you never know what's going to come back around. You yeah. just don't know. Uh, And so for somebody like me, I think to myself now, the reason why I am a special advisor, you know, to the general manager with the New York Yankees is the relationships that I have. Yeah. Right? Like, listen, bro, all the rest of the special advisors are hall of favors, bro. Right? Like, yeah. let's be honest. And then there's me. So like, you're on the ballot, dude. What are you saying? About bringing. I will, I'm in a nominee, bro, for sure. I'm there, baby, let's get it, you know? But I think for myself, you know, I just, I love the game, bro. And and I always will, Um, you know, being down here in Florida, you know, I've really started and reached out to a lot of, you know, youth organizations. I started working with a lot of young kids, baseball and softball players. Uh, I mean, like down here, man, there's just a lot of things that you can do uh, to help kids. And, you know, maybe five, six, seven years down the road, bro, you know, I'll manage, I'm not quite sure when, Like, I love being a dad. I got my two daughters, Emmy and Sailor. They're seven and four. And to be able to be home and to be a father, like, I'm so blessed to be able to have that. So I don't want to go manage now for sure, bro. I don't want to leave home. But eventually at some point, bro, definitely want to be back in that dugout, you know, helping uh, and and, and trying to be a ray of sunshine in somebody's life. Uh, Because listen, man, like being able to win that World Series championship in 2009 is something that I'll never, ever forget. And it was so great because it was a group of individuals from all over the country, bro. Yeah. All different types of dudes. And we all band together, bro, to, to, to form a certain goal. And that was to win and to be able to hold that trophy over our head after a full year like that. that's something people are never going to be able to take away and a feeling, uh, that I guess only a champion would really understand. It was just one of those amazing, amazing moments.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, to, to play Major League Baseball and then get a chance to even play in the playoffs, let alone the World Series, it's so rare. People don't realize that. Like, you know, people say, I've never played in the playoffs, man. People are like, oh, you've never played in the playoffs? I'm like, no, it's freaking hard, man. Like, you've got to be sticking around number <laughs> one for a lot of years and you've got to have a really good group of guys to do it. Hey, i got a question for you. And this is yeah. something. this is something that, I was talking to Max Scherzer and Matt Boyd and they brought up a thing. I was always living off this, I need to prove people people wrong. Or it's like this grudge. I'm holding a grudge against someone. I'm going to shove it up your ass, this and that. I was thinking back to this. Now, 2008, mm-hmm. obviously you and the White Sox in particular didn't get along. It wasn't a good situation. It brought you down and you like probably hold that grudge, some sort of grudge against them. 2009, all of a sudden you win a World Series. Was there any part of you when you're holding that trophy up like you're talking about or winning that or having that environment was there ever that thing like, I've just proved you wrong or um, you know, shoved like the shove that one up? Yeah, you know, like as far as, was there any element of that? Or are you that kind of person? Uh, and this is, this is how some of these other guys who I've spoke to, which is kind of surprising. Like, no, 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 I don't hold on to that at all. It's a waste of time. It's, it's just not a good energy. But is there, was there any of that? Like, oh, I just proved the White Sox completely wrong. Look who came out on top. I use that
1: prove people wrong mentality for the people that told me I wasn't going to be able to do what I wanted to do in high school. Right. Or when I was a little kid, people saying that I wasn't big enough, I wasn't strong enough, right? I wanted to prove those people wrong. The White Sox situation was more of a thankfulness. It was more of like gratitude. And thank you for letting me go through that time in my life because look where I'm standing right now. I mean, bro, game six in the Bronx, bro, the World Series against the Phillies, dog. Jay-Z, Alicia Keys, they come out, bro. They're playing Empire State of Mind. It was out of control, bro. And then we go on to win that game. Bro, the last out, the ground ball from Victorino to Cano, he throws it over to Teixeira there was a sound that came from that stadium that is un, un no one's ever going to replace that sound again in my mind. It was like a sonic boom of joy, excitement, love, passion, the whole nine. And I was one of those lucky dudes to be standing on the field to experience that and to be able to have accomplished that. So, so many great things happen from all that stuff. I don't have any ill will towards the White Sox at all. As a matter of fact, on my free agent year, a lot of people may not know the White Sox were one of those teams that were right up there with the Cleveland Indians as well. So I don't think there's any hard feelings at all. Um, Maybe on the, you know, on the personal side, there might be. But, bro, look, come on, kid. I'm 40 years old, dog. I'm having a blast, man. I'm being a dad. I got, you know, I got my girls, bro. We've got animals all over the place. I got a beautiful wife, a great life. Like, I just try to wake up every day, man. Just try to be a good person, bro, and
0: enjoy the day, you know? Do you get, when you were playing and doing some of the stuff you're doing on TV, do you get, are you, are you a nervous person? Do you get nervous before you do that stuff? Yeah, I do, which is great. Yeah. And yeah. my
1: father always told me that, you know, when your palms sweat or you get those butterflies in your stomach, that feeling right there lets you know that you're alive and lets yeah, you know what you're sure. doing means something to you. Yeah. And so for myself, whenever I get little sweaty palms, before anything that I do, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, bro, this is about to be amazing. You know, because it's it's getting me worked up enough Uh, to be nervous about it. It's got to be something great. So for me, man, I've always tried to, especially now in my post-career, do the things I want to do in life, right? Like do the things that make me happy. So I haven't really had to do a whole lot of things that make me nervous. Well, I did American Ninja Warrior one time, bro, and I was scared shitless doing that for sure, but ended up making it through the first round and then that was it. But I love that nervous feeling because- Getting nervous was like, man, getting nervous for a Friday night high school football game or getting nervous for a, a huge game between the Yankees and the and the Red Sox or getting nervous for, you know, uh, uh, anything, bro, like whatever it was. Like the the nervous feeling of like going to a test. I don't like
0: that nervous feeling at right. all. But all the other experiences, no doubt about it. So even when you're done playing, right? Now, you obviously, you, you play for a long time and it's been long enough now that you've had your post-career. And you mentioned obviously spending time with your daughters and your family. Life's obviously different. But I do notice there's certain guys, and we talked about Eric Burns earlier. Now, Eric Burns is just like checking that box when it comes to competing and pushing himself. And he's doing this ultra marathon stuff. Is there anything for you that you have to fill that void with? whether I need to feel nervous or I need to feel like I'm like really like, you know, put myself in a dark place or any of these little things that you need to sort of check that box or fill that void because you are an ex-athlete and now, you know, you're a high energy guy. Is there any of that stuff that you have to do?
1: Yeah, I think the the only box that I really need to be checking in at any phase of my life is helping people right now. Right. I mean, it's, the you know, I, I remember like my post-career, you know, these job opportunities would come up and I would chase these jobs because they had dollar signs behind them. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh man, I'm so used to making money. I have to make money. I have to do this. I have to put myself back in the same spot. Well, listen, bro, out of baseball money is not nearly the same as baseball money <laughs> yeah. for sure. So it's, it's been great to have people in my life that have told me and that I've learned throughout the time is follow the things that fill your heart. Follow the things that make you happy and everything else will take care of itself. And from there, I just started working with a new company called Prospect Dugout which is absolutely amazing it helps promote young amateur players to either get drafted into you know collegiate baseball or into professional baseball and we've done camps we've done experiences i'm working with two huge uh, you know, organizations down here in the Tampa area, working with young kids, trying to get them to achieve the things that they never ever thought were possible. Right. I'm able to be a father. I'm able to take my daughter to horse riding classes every week and to talk to her. bro I, i'm not a, I'm not an equestrian, bro. but I've watched so many practices that yeah. now I can talk about body position, right? right? Things like that. Like like those are the fun things because it makes me feel like I'm giving back. I always feel like, I've got a lot of knowledge to give. I've been through a lot of experiences in my life, you know, working on my public speaking, I'm working on my, you know, motivational speaking and my my speech is almost done now. And at the end of the day, bro, I, I think for me, maybe the ultimate goal would be like a little mini junior, you know, Tony Robbins, right? Like be that guy standing up there letting people know, pumping them up, doing the exercises, bro. Like getting ready, like letting people know that like your life can be better than what it is. I know I'm a sports guy and bro, I never graduated college and I don't have a PhD in anything, but I do know that there are certain ways to live your life and certain ways not to. So for myself, you know, to be able to give back and to motivate people and to get people excited about something I mean, bro, those are the things that
0: turn me on nowadays. Yeah. Have you have you ever been to Tony Robbins? Have you ever done one of those, those like the three-day four? No, night? never. I mean, yeah, I have I see them all the time. Have dude, you? Is it amazing or what? Dude, I went with my wife and, and sometimes I was like, Oh, should I tell people I'm doing this? Like, is this some like cult or is this some like scam? Dude, I, I'm not I'm not joking, man. <laughs> For four days, you're literally up to like you walk on the coals or whatever, and that's like, oh, you know, it it but you're literally up and everyone's going to be like, yeah, rolling their eyes if they haven't done it. But if you've done it and you like, just get immersed in it, it's unreal. Like it just accesses like energy that you didn't realize you had. You know what I'm saying? We were literally, we're up till 2am every day. And then we're back there at 8am and just locked in. We didn't leave this room. Like it was, i got to say, man, it was impressive. And I learned a ton. That's why I was like, Oh, maybe he's been, a lot of people don't admit that they've been there for some reason. I don't know why. No, got, I, no, I, I definitely, you know what? i well, I watch, I watch all that stuff. Uh, you I know, love, I, I,
1: yeah. I, I I love watching speeches. I love getting pumped up about something uh, for myself, bro. I've been crushing audio books uh, and things like that just to try and get as much knowledge as I can to try and, you know, give people the best information that I can give them because everybody's got their own information on something. Even now, when I try to teach hitting, there's people out there that'll be like, no, 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 this is the way you need to do it. Well, I'm like, great. That's the way you need to do it, right? That's not the way that I do it. And that doesn't mean that your way is better or my way is better, but it definitely gives people an option. And for myself, I've had multiple people throughout my life be like, Swish, man, if you could bottle up whatever you got inside that body of yours, bro, and sell it, bro, this thing right here could go off the chains. And that's maybe to where, that's where my Tony Robbins comes into play to where it's like, hey, maybe it's more of like, you know, an exciting, you know, an exciting speech and more of like an, an interactive speech rather than something that you just sit there and listen to for 30 minutes, because bro, yeah. I mean, if I had to sit there and listen to a speech for 40 minutes, just like this, I'd be bored <laughs> as hell. You yeah. know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I'm mean, like, bro, we got to do something different. So I definitely think that's my ultimate goal uh, is is to become a great motivational speaker uh, and to be able to have all these great experiences along the way. Uh, definitely only help to be able to experience and to tell that speech
0: to the best you can. Yeah. Hey, well, Nick, I'm telling you right now, mate, if, if you were doing something like that, putting on a seminar four days, I'd be there front row, dude. I'd love it, man. Well, like, let's, oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> let's go! Let's <laughs> go! Shirt off, i yes, up, up and down. You, you'd have to, you'd have to, yes, you'd have to get man. security, dude, to say, get rid of this dude. He's freaking me out." No, that I would definitely sign up for that. You, you need to look into that for sure. But hey, Nick, I've, I've kept you. God. I've kept you too long, man. I've kept you too long, but um. This has been fun, man. I appreciate it. And again, this is the first time we've ever connected. and it's It's been awesome. I've been waiting a long time to talk to you and, and you know your energy and everything else. So you've, you've just got me through quarantine. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Dude, right up, bro. I appreciate you, bro. Hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. It's a lot of fun to listen to you. The podcast is absolutely fantastic, man. I'm so honored to be in here talking about the game, for sure, bro. Keep doing your thing, bro. Hey, those Mariners, they're gonna turn it around, bro. They're gonna get it going. At some point, they're gonna turn it, bro.
0: I hope so, man, I hope so. Awesome, man, well, hey, it's been fun, Nick, can have a good rest of your week, and enjoy everything you're doing, man, it's awesome. All right, brother, thanks for the chat, man. Good talking to you, bro. Hey, one
1: more day quarantine, baby, you got this, dog, you can do this.
0: hey hope you enjoyed that episode with nick swisher man i am fired up now again i told you i uh, recorded that while i was sitting in quarantine and i was just buzzing after it a lot of fun hey make sure you go and subscribe we've got some really good episodes coming up as we head into spring training of 2021 i can't wait go to www.thetopstep.com you can check out other episodes you can click on whatever whatever Uh, place you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave me a review. All right. We'll see you guys next week right here on The Top Step.